0: Okay, you everyone, this is not the, explicit, the ex, expli- <laughs> explicit version. Luke is so tired. His sweet, sweet girl will not go to sleep no matter
1: what he's done. Luke is like, I should so be ready tired. at 8.15 your time, so- maybe
0: 8.20. Now it's 9.20, and he's like, <laughs> Do you want to know how many times I've read um, Minnie on the move? <laughs> Minnie... we, we did pray that Minnie would stop being on the move. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, fancy hat Minnie. Um. So, oh, hello, Minnie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, man, Disney just is just like, how do I print some more money? Yeah, I know. Let's give little girls all the Minnie stuff. All sorry, the there's money. only going to be two seasons of this show. We've got to have a new show with with, with Minnie. It's going to be pretty much the same thing, but now she's traveling. <laughs> it's so painful. Now she's camping, and now she's a party planner. And you <laughs> have to fucking watch all of it. <laughs> the sorry. credits are longer than the show. How does that feel, you piece of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The credit's real. It's so painful. <laughs> sorry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> That's why I started, you know, as early as I could. I was like, uh, children's shows that daddy can tolerate. I, I just couldn't. I'm close not. to that.
0: I'm close to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Paw Patrol to that. was okay. It's just dumb. You know, there's there's nothing like... Yeah. redeeming about it, except it's just like hey here's a fun thing that we all solve by doing the thing that we do every show it's almost like uh mm-hmm. mighty Morphin power rangers you know here is a bad guy they individually fight them they get defeated so they come together as one and then the bad guy becomes big and then they
0: become big and brian then they cranston <laughs> yeah and then brian cranston what happened there um yeah i you know we did a really good job for about 18 months of no screen time at all like none and then, and then it just became all the screen time. And now it's like a balance of, um, I try it. And it, it's, it's fine, man. I, I'm telling you, like there's just something about like this type of exhaustion that just like messes with my head. Yeah. You, like, you get super
1: fussy. You are a fussy I do. movie I get, you don't and it's late at night. When I'm like really
0: tired, it's not a good Luke. No, no. And that's been most of our shows. <laughs> it's like, especially lately, I'm just like, I, <laughs> you know, what's funny is
1: I took all my recording equipment with me to, uh, to, uh, Tucson, Arizona, so we could record on Friday night and then, um, we could just couldn't make it happen. And then Saturday I couldn't make it happen. And it's funny because I'm trying to get used to traveling for these day and a half, two day trips. Right. So I have an airplane outfit. Mm-hmm. Right? It's an outfit that I wear that is easy to deal with TSA and all that stuff, but it also has – it's a button-up shirt that has two um, breast pockets so that I can load crap in, in my pockets and then not have to worry about pulling them out of my pants what, when I'm in these tight little
0: chairs. Yes. What, what outfits are not TSA-compliant?
1: Well, meaning like uh, – The ones with your guns? Things that are easy – like things that don't have a lot of metal on them. Right. Just things that are, I don't want to. wearing
0: a lot of metal. Like you digging well, I mean, all my
1: all my all my, uh, All my bedazzled jeans. Do you got a studded belt?
0: <laughs> the, uh, what was it called? Affliction? Yeah. Like, <laughs> turns out, big Ed Hardy guy over here with his, like, did, did you pierce your chin? Uh, I pierced my brow
1: because it's always furrowed. So I might as well just use that to flap of skin for something. Gosh, I was like, Peter Jennings? No, thank you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but I always, and like, I have a belt that I can, uh, that like, most of the time won't set off the metal detector and all that stuff instead of my studded punk rock belt uh, that I got from (laughs) Nicole D'Astasio. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which, okay,
0: (laughs) funny, yeah. keep on going that's okay. it's funny that you mentioned that yeah but anywho, so i always i always yeah, have we really a, should not name people from franciscan <laughs> while doing this we really shouldn't do this but i whatever. always have a
1: an outfit that i always wear it's always my default i always wear it and so uh it just enables me to deal with humans easier and then uh, but i decided that i wouldn't instead of having a backpack and a carry on i consolidated it all in a carry on and that was a big mistake that was a big mistake Having all my recording equipment just sliding in my laptop, sliding around in a thing with, like, three pairs of undershirts and stuff. Like, I didn't have a lot of clothes to kind of cushion everything. And I was like, oh, this is a
0: mistake. Oh, such expensive stuff that our patrons bought us. Oh, yeah. um, Man, it. you know what's funny? Like you and I do this quiet of thing sometimes we've never quite articulated yet, which is like when we're both really tired and we've said we're going to record, we'll wait to see who moves first. Oh, gosh. And, we're know, and we know we're going to have to say yes. But it's like I'm not going to be the tired because maybe
1: we can just skip it tonight and go to bed. That's absolutely <laughs> that was yesterday. True. <laughs> well, I yesterday was I was doing stuff. Right? I was, oh, yesterday. Well, I'm not saying oh, yeah, we're no, just that like, was yesterday. You're I'm right. That was Sunday. That we're,
0: we're at home, not doing anything. You know, yes. just like, just be like, no, I'm going to sit here and just keep on twiddling. You
1: know, <laughs> well, we had, we had a, I, I didn't get home last So, anywho, I flew in early in the morning, went straight to church. We had a, a festival um, for our kiddos for like, it was like an All Saints festival at the church. And then uh, it was so cool. They did a Eucharistic procession with all the kids dressed like saints. And then my son Thomas comes running up in the back of the line in his Texans outfit. Because he's like, his his rationale was, uh, St. Sebastian is the patron saint of athletes. Collins is an athlete. He plays for uh, the Texans. So therefore, I'm a saint. (laughs) So he ran,
0: ran on the, it was so funny. Our good friend. Um, Mrs. Ruby, guys, I always forget how to pronounce her last name, even though we've had, like, multiple great, uh, great conversations with her and her husband, who's been on the podcast a bunch of times. Mrs. Ruby on Twitch, on Twitter, all that stuff. She's been on here. She's got a bunch of... She has a cool podcast now she's doing with, uh, Jonathan Blevins about, is this good for kids? Uh, She's got other stuff she's doing. Um, she has a nonprofit called the Good Egg Fund, and at the Good Egg Fund, they are, um, they believe, um... That making the world better is our job. So let's get to work. And they're really – I love this. So what they do is they want to make a difference in theirs, your own community by, like, giving a person who needs it money. like, here you go. Here's money for the thing that, like, um, that you need. Yeah, the goodeggfund.org. So one of the things that
1: Mrs. Ruby does is – she goes out there and with her community that she started on Twitch, which is M R S Ruby R-U-V-I, um, on Twitch, she uh they started identifying individual needs, like very small specific needs for people. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is people submit an idea to her and to this fund, and they take uh it has to be five hundred dollars or less. So it's like Hey, uh, so this is an example from the website. Do you know a kid on a soccer team wearing sneakers three sizes too small? We'll fund the sneakers. So what they do is you submit to it, and then they go and they buy it and send it to them. So these are things, like, don't think of it as, oh, I'm funding this huge nonprofit, this giant mm-hmm. charity to do all that. It's like, no, they do individual deeds to help individual people that you individually know, right? And I love that. So they call him good eggs. Like, yeah, he's a good egg. Let's donate here. He's a good egg. And –
0: What's really what I really like. One of the things that they have going on is like they actually um need ideas of stuff to give to. They actually they do they you know have the money. They they do stuff on her Twitch stream as well as other things to uh, get funds. All the funds go to like these funds. Like all all of the money you give goes to helping people. So if you if you've got a thing within your own life that's really tough, maybe you've got some bills or you've got some stuff that's like hey this is like really hard or you've you've have like a friend and you're like i and that like you wish that you could help them with something but you kind of can't right now because of whatever i know particularly a lot of people who listen to this podcast you're coming out of college or you're in your 20s you work in ministry or all all the above and you don't have a ton of extra money if any um And you see, and you see, like, need, or you have your own um, need, they want to know what those needs are. They want to be able to to help you. And so, um, you can go to goodeggfund.org, that's G O O D E G G F U N D, goodeggfund.org. Click on the submit an idea tab, and they'll have a place on there where you're able to say, here's the idea. Let's say, um, on there they they 've got a thing where um if they want to be able to give money to a a playground or a thing that costs a couple hundred dollars um there 's like, really, it's really like anything. So they want ideas. They need ideas. Please go to org. G-O-O-D-E-G-G-F-U-N-D, goodeggfund.org Click on the link on the top right for submit an idea, and please I'm like, give them your idea. They want to hear your idea. No idea is too dumb or too or too small or not important. Katie asked asked me like, a while ago. I Actually, did some kind of like help with her on on some stuff about uh, like a um, nonprofit stuff. I've able to I like, talked to her twice about it, which I always love doing. So I'm really pumped about this. So it's uh, again good dot Check that out. And if you have an idea for a thing that you think would be good to uh, fund, or you or you have a need in your own life, again, go to goodeggfund. dot org. Thank you to Good Egg Fund for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So I felt so guilty about charging them for that ad that in the invoice I inserted on um, the lyrics from a $500 Iron a song that's a critique of capitalism. <laughs> I feel like Homer thing. when he was like eating his lobster, um, crunchy or whatever. He's like, oh, he would have loved this. Pass the butter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How is your new venture that you announced on Patreon? The uh, oh, nonprofit thing.
0: It, it's been it has been actually kind of cool. So I've got a, someone on one of our – so I'm doing a thing. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I thought a couple people encouraged me to go into nonprofit consulting. So I'm starting to explore that. I'm trying to ex- decide if I want to do a class or do individual coaching. So there's, there's a person from our Patreon that's going to be doing some stuff. With. I'm going to contact a person at a Catholic school that I've been in touch with and so uh, we've also had another person on patreon reach out as well so I'm, I'm trying to decide what that's going to be so uh i'm actually really glad that you brought that up thank you so um if you work for a non-profit if you have like a need just for some coaching or stuff or you're like man i wish i could just like talk to someone about this um get get in touch uh just go to our, like website go to contact um yeah I, i'm just kind of trying to see how i can use my powers for good so Thank you. Do you ever um, notice how, like, with adulthood, one of the hardest times? Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I So my brain feels like mush in two instances. One is when I'm in Excel for hours on end. I had to, to talk with a fan of the show, like, Miriam. We uh, had a meeting. And I was in Excel for, like, an hour and a half. And my brain was just – it just felt like – I feel like the lines in my brain, instead of being, like, wiggly, were just mush. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I can't barely um, focus. And then when I'm, like, coming off of, like, being just super engaged late at night. Yeah. After a long day. It's really difficult for me to have to, like, like I'm just tired. And I hate the fact that I feel so much better when I have plenty of sleep and water. It's just like. You, you resent that about How you. many of my problems, how many of the things on Catching Foxes that we've had to process could have just been solved by uh good sleeping habits and, and water, good, and good hydration, hydration patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Probably plenty. How many tears could have like of my own could have been saved. How many tears I'm could I'm sure I of not others, but, thus yeah.
1: increasing the dehydration. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cycle. Oh Lord have oh my mercy. Gosh. Christ yeah. have mercy.
0: It's just like um Yeah. Okay, everyone's finally I'm I'm looking at the monitor. Everyone's finally asleep. Nice. <sighs> okay. I think we're good. Nice. Boy, she was like, "You like?" She was so funny because um, I was like, "I gotta go." Daddy's got to go in podcast with Mister Gomer. She's repeating everything now because she's you know speaking in fuller um senses. She goes, "You're gonna go talk with um uh, Mister Goma," and I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Okay, you're gonna go do this." I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Mini on the move," and I'm like, "No." And she's like, "Please, I can't do it on my own." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, okay." So I start to read. Like, here's the thing, though. She's got those little like. Th- th- tablet I mean, it's not a tablet but it looks um, like a tablet yeah. where it like has like an image of like all these books yeah and you can hit it and it will say it's this book and then there's like an order there's like other buttons that match the page you can have the book um, oh yeah, yeah back yeah. to you so she has I'm figured out now this is the right order for these books and she has these books memorized <laughs> so when you read them to her I just I did the whole like reading reading the first line she just goes no no and she like will flip out you have to read yep. the whole thing and I'm like no this can't be like, 15 books. Right? She knows it. Like, she, you know.
1: <laughs> and, and, and you just know that when you got that as a gift or bought that as a, as a thing, you like, oh, this is great. What a great idea. The book reads, too. Or, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, dear God, I can't skip. I remember when I started skipping pages in, like, Goodnight Moon, and my kids are like, no. Like, they just <laughs> know you skip like, five pages. Mm-hmm. No, go back. We haven't talked about the old lady with the
0: comb. Go back to the old woman with the comb. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. And it's weird because it's like you're trying t- to essentially manage a crisis, yeah, over yeah. a book yeah. with people that you are Im- you are responsible for, while also not emotionally damaging them. Yeah. So there's this weird balance you have to try to find <laughs> of like, how do I not? And like, the needle, goes, bro. Can you tuck me in? And I'm like. Either you're manipulating me to try to keep this going, which is very much becoming her M.O. Oh, She'll yeah. want to call my mom. She'll, I mean, yeah, the girl asked know. to watch a TV show and then gave me a big hug and was like, oh, please. I mean, like, give <laughs> me a hug. And I was like, what? You're emotionally manipulating me. I I understand Women, this. they because, start early. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've dated a lot. And I have done the only boy with two sisters. This is manipulation. <laughs> So, anyways, this is what the podcast has become. I was just working through our issue with our kids, and then, oh, okay. And then this makes me feel terrible. Like, every we were watching Cars. Just it was nice. We had a you know very chill evening. Dinner was easy. We were hanging out. I was Like, hey, towards the end of dinner, I'm like, let's turn on the TV. We'll just watch a bit. We'll watch Cars. And so we're doing that for a bit. And she, she kind of will go and do her own thing, and then come back. And so she like unwatches for a bit. Then she turns to me and goes, "Daddy, are you mad?" And I'm like, no, baby girl. And she goes, daddy, are you happy? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I'm happy too. And gives me like a big hug. <laughs> and I was like, because then I thought about like three months ago when she, when I got mad at her. And she just goes, daddy's mad. And I was like, oh, I'm the worst piece of I shit know, I ever. know. Anyways, there's just, I just, I, you just don't want to fail. You don't want to fail them. You don't want to mess this up. You just want to be good. And for them to feel, to like feel love, to like have confidence, to be confident and like be able to take on the world and not be scarred by it mm-hmm. as much as you can. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's no way you can hide them from that. And like yeah. when it, it's shoved in your, I, mean, I don't know, when you feel like your failings are shoved in your face or this, you know, it's just, um it's, that's, that's
1: hard. Yeah. I always think that um, when you're in a relationship where you constantly feel like you need to be a better man, that's when you know it's love, like even if you fail in it, the failure is a reminder of like no, I have this this call to be better than I am, or to be you know um you know the to round off my hard edges, you know, like yeah, I want to be angry and I am angry, and I have that angry outburst, but then it's like, oh, I gotta walk this back, I gotta apologize i gotta be better, you know and i I think about that all the time with my kids in the fact of. What behaviors will shape them? I was listening to this one guy talk about his daughters, or not his daughters, um, uh, a a woman that he was working with and like kind of discipling. And she just said, I can't remember the context, but she said that some boys had assaulted her, basically. These teenage boys. And she was devastated when she was a teenager. She was devastated. She goes home. Um, man, I'm just going to suck if this is literally a Catching Foxes episode, and all of our fans are like, how dare you? But no, the girl basically says, like, this is what happened to me. And the mother's like, oh, my gosh. But the dad goes, ah, boys will be boys. And she realized, like, at that moment that this is just what it means to be in a relationship with men, that they're just going to hurt you, and they're not going to care, and it's all about this stuff. So the, these, like, things that we say that we don't even – Like, maybe the father wasn't paying attention and he didn't hear the full import of what these kids did. Because I know if that were me, I would be, like, driving around the neighborhood with a baseball bat looking for these kids. And that's not hyperbole. And the idea of this is our words carry so much more weight because we are their world. And I always get nervous when my words outpace my thinking capacity or my filter and... You know, uh, yeah, and, and you just kind of, you always, like, rethink and replan that. But I will say um, they also are uh, more forgiving, I think, than, and and I try my best. Let me rephrase that. There are times where I do the right thing, and, like, especially I think about with Caterina and Cecilia, like, going back through where I lost my cool or where I maybe said the wrong thing and mm-hmm. it hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I will probe the wound kind of thing and then try to find it and be like, well, let me explain to you why I did that. And then let me apologize for, you know, whatever. So, Because yeah. I just know, like, I, I try to think of, like, what healing did I receive when I was, like, in my 20s about things that happened when I was a middle schooler with my parents. And then it's like, how can I, why do I have to wait for a youth conference, <laughs> you know, or a young adult yeah. retreat uh, for that same experience
0: for my kids? Like, let's do this now. What's tough about that, though, I agree with you, but as someone who, like, my dad did that a lot, and it kind of got tiring. Oh, yeah. You know? And, like, every single time, there was always some sort of, like, this is why I don't want, you know, and it's just like, holy shit, can you just ground me and, like, not have a 30-minute thing about, like, whatever? (laughs) And that's more, like, as a teenager, you know? Yeah. But, and and I'm trying to, like, you know, I mean, just, it's, Luke, Luke, let's talk. It just, like, it, like... Really, um, and I, I just like I think of that like, like like in the back of my head, you know. It's like, man, I don't want to go too far this other because I'll do the same thing with her. I'm like, sorry, daddy was wrong. It was a little, you know, it's like, but I, I'm not sorry, I'm not trying to like crap on your parenting or anything. Why are you like, crapping like on my that. parenting? <laughs> I'm not doing that.
1: I just, it. Well, in today's Catching Foxes, Luke takes a giant dump on Gomer's parenting. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. You, we, we were talking about this stuff at work, and someone brought up like a study he'd heard about where if you are doing it right 51% of the time or more, you're good. You're good. And there's <laughs> not going to be like lasting scars.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, okay, I think I'm batting above 500. <laughs> the whole comment today about, Daddy, are you mad? No, are you happy? Yes, I'm happy, too. Like, it was like... Because <laughs> like I don't know, like I I come across as being extremely moody, what? And sometimes I don't realize it. Yeah, like I, I just don't. I just don't. I just think everyone's like this. Yeah, and I don't realize that like the feelings that I feel are sometimes super intense, and that that's not reality. Not everyone processes things that that way. Yeah. So yeah. and, I, and you can see it on my face. Like, you can see me going through these things or, <laughs> or like, thinking these these things. And I don't even realize it. Yeah, I was like, super moody today.
1: And I was extremely tired. And so I kept trying to, like, sneak in a 30-minute nap. And I could. And it just kept going later and later. Then my kids had friends over. And I'm like, you know what? This is the only time I can do it. And I went to go take a 30-minute nap. But I did not set my alarm. And I woke up at dinner time. And I would just came downstairs. And I was like, mm. And I was super moody. I didn't say a word for the most part during dinner. And the chain's like, are you okay? And I was like, probably. (laughs) I was (laughs) like, I I don't really know. I'm just in a mood. And then I I walked out, made a cup of coffee, and I sat down. And I just drank it while
0: watching woodworking videos. I'm back.
1: Back to woodworking videos. I'm going to start it up. We cleaned out our garage. Woodworkers
0: coming back. You know, it's so funny because I think, like, um, you hear a lot of things about how, like, men don't really, like, have feelings or aren't in tune with their feelings or, or something, and I, I don't really think that's true at all. No. Like, a lot of our friends are really moody.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you we know? know we are, and, and we, yeah, and yeah, I hundred percent agree with
0: you. I think I, it's a caricature more than it is. I do else. too. And I, I, I will say, I think that like, you know, I mean, I won't ever forget being in the car with this girl that I was dating at one point in time, and there's like a pause, and she goes, "What are you thinking?" And I was like. Do you want me to be honest? She goes, "Yeah." And I was, I said, "Okay." I was just going do 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 do. You know, was like, "This <laughs> that's all I was doing." in in my head, and she just goes, "Are you serious?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "What were you thinking?" And she had like six or seven different things that she I don't know, like. No, thank you. But like even <laughs> that, sometimes like my my brain can go like to all these like different things yeah. or all. It's just yeah. I, I I just I mean like some guys are like uber stoic, but like that's not really the norm. No. I don't think
1: no, and stoic so means different things for different people. And that's as true. men, you know, for a lot of us, it's we we've always been in touch with our emotions in terms of frustration, irritability, rage, yeah. anger, like the negative stuff. We're all in touch with that. that it's that's probably just it was, those
0: feelings like. that I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel it all the time. I'm, I'm a see. ball of rage.
0: <laughs> um, what's the first line of of the Iliad, it's about like rage. rage. <laughs> that yeah, is literally the first word. And yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I was in my car. I, was, I guess this would count as thinking of the Roman Empire. Uh, I mean, no, it wouldn't. But I kind of, yeah. I'm going to fit that in with, with both. Um, it's a, it's Greek. But I was just like, man, Homer was so right. Rage, <laughs> <laughs> rage, sing, goddess
1: Achilles, rage, black and murderous that cost the Greeks incalculable pain.
0: Ah, oh, man, there's something about like. I I, re- I do think like I don't know I don't I don't want to like as we're just like just trying to rail against like men being um generalized I I'm about to generalize so maybe I should stop um but I will just say this said <laughs> I won't um I I do think it's probably different you know like like I like I think even though like okay then different than women I don't want to I don't want to yeah. I really don't want to generalize about women either. I, just, I don't know. I just think that like I mean, listen. I know I'm I, I know that I'm a, a like moody person, but I don't feel that a lot. I just feel oh, I just feel whatever I'm feeling, and that's pretty much it. In the moment, so there's not this like kind of back and forth or like trying to figure it out. I mean, there is like a lot of like self analysis going on yeah like I'll never forget going going to Mark Marin with Maggie Smith seeing his stand up, and Maggie just going, "No, oh, I feel like I was just in your head for a bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that is, she goes, that is I awesome. see
0: why you like this guy that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy like, he started his, his set by just going, "I'm all right, <laughs> just like oh, let us all know how he was doing. <laughs> oh man, so
1: um I, my, that reminds me of my favorite Jewish joke. That Jerry Seinfeld...
0: Now's him. a good time to do that.
1: Well, Mark <laughs> Meir Jewish. He tells that's this true, funny yeah, yeah. Jewish joke that it goes along with that. So George, he's on... Um, oh, gosh. Why? I'm picturing the guy. Who's the, Norm Macdonald? He was on the Norm Macdonald show. And he said, well, you, you know the Jew joke, right? And he's like, that's my fellow Jew. And he's talking about the guy that was next to Norm, whose name I can never remember. And he said, um, you know, the Jewish show goes... There were two Gentiles, and they were both business owners, and they were old friends. And they saw each other, and they said, hey, how's it going? And he said, oh, I'm doing all right. And then Jerry just stared at the guy, and the guy started laughing. He goes, you don't get it, do you? And he's like, no two Jews, when you get them together, ever say, eh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Things are all right. It was that they're all like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. The business is failing, right? So, <laughs> which is when say he's like, yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> it's on brand, man.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's on brand. If you want to hear a really good uh, kind of take on the whole Israel um, Palestine thing, I would check out Mark Maron's podcast. WTF, where he just when he processes deep deep things on his own. I don't really know there's anyone better at him than that, when it comes to podcasting, it's pretty incredible. Uh, he is a very and I mean he's a ardent atheist and I would say probably borderline anti theist. Yeah. But um, I mean, he said some really bad stuff about Catholicism to the point where I've stopped. i um, listening to to certain things. It was just like it was almost like being let down by a friend, which is a very parasocial thing to say, and I get it. But it, it was yeah. it was very like. I mean, for people that aren't aware of who he is, he has a podcast called WTF with Mark Marin. That was one of the first huge comedy podcasts of ten years ago, and it's actually pretty. To this day, some people will still say the best podcast ever recorded was was him and uncle Louis C.K. back in twenty nine, sorry twenty nine two thousand nine two thousand ten. He took the podcasting to a very vulnerable, very vulnerable level. And when I first pitched the idea to Gomer of catching foxes, I kind of pitched it as a cross of W of like I wanted to bring the vulnerability that he had to the Catholic space, or like yeah. sorry that's no no I did not with a Catholic voice yeah, and I. And it was just it was it was really moving because he's someone who's trying to you can can hear the tension of him trying to balance this like, and he's a super progressive left wing guy and he's like I know I should be, you know, if he wasn't Jewish or this was in the group he'd be very pro Palestinian with with the whole thing but you can hear him being like but I cannot shake my Jewish heritage and the love of Israel that's been ingrained in my family and in him, he's like I don't he's he's in tears by by the end like I don't know what to do yeah. And it it was just—it was such a beautiful display um, of humanity, and then, like, to be blunt, like it's his show and how he has um, wrestled with stuff that hasn't really like caused me to doubt things in the the church or of God, but to really doubt this idea that, like, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is even the right thing to say or not, but that the church is the only and it's or it's only. Catholics or religious people that can truly, I don't know, like truly, try to wrestle with deep things and work them out. Right. Which sounds like that's what I thought before, but I think I had it in my brain that like only religious people are going to take the time to think about things in a deep way. And it was kind of hearing like his only oh, like humanity through his stuff that really, you know, challenged me to kind of, I kind don't of open my mind to the right. I, 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 this is a, this is honestly a thing that I'm. St- wrestling with, um, it just caused me to be like, okay, like this is reality. I believe like the church Christ is like, you know, is reality, but it doesn't imply that like God's not working in other people's um, like, um, like um lives in ways that we can't see or understand that they cannot come to like deeper understandings of, of things. I don't know. That's a whole other can of worms we don't have to get into right now. That's actually yeah, not where the, I'm able to go with this. My
1: favorite was Blossom. What's her name? My, um, you know, that lady. Know. Blossom? Yeah. Blossom. <laughs> not the not the Big Bang Theory. Uh,
0: was, who of our friends was, 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 is John who had a sister who was friends with a girl who played six? I think so. Okay. okay. Yeah. But, uh. I thought that was cool.
1: We, uh, well, we saw that Twitter thing. She gave, like, a five-minute speech on this, and, uh. That was super heartbreaking because like you have a lot of like Jews in America that are Democrats that are liberals. And they talk about like, they're they're very negative about Israel's treatment of Palestine and Palestinians. Um, you know, the building of these various walls and checkpoints and all this stuff that block people from their ancestral homes of that they've lived for three, four, five, six hundred 600 years. Um, and it becomes this like super annoying issue. You know, when they say Gaza is the world's largest, uh, open-air prison and all this stuff, and I in my anti-war days, right, like, all that stuff was very much fueled by U.S. policy in the Middle East, especially having to do with Israel, and, you know, I mean, Israel shot up an American uh, boat called the USS, I believe it was USS Liberty, and was never called to account, stole our nuclear secret, secrets, um, or, aka, probably was leaked. Um, they have an avenue named after, uh, it was like, free so-and-so, who was one of the people that stole stole some of the secrets, so uh, and he 's in prison in the u s um, and so you i it 's a very complicated relationship with American Jews, even religious Jews, and Israel, because there are different people don 't realize this like a large portion of Israeli Jews are secular or mm-hmm. right? a very large portion they they might keep Shabbat or something like that, but they do not live like it 's very pro lgbt like you go to Tel Aviv, it is just like New York City and, uh, you know, it is a very Western city. And they have advertisements everywhere for LGBT stuff. So there's that side. And then there's the side of the what they call the ultra-Orthodox and all of that and it's so funny because they're a parliamentary system and they run <laughs> it's so funny because I can't tell the difference when between the candidates that were on all the buses for their political ads because they all wear the exact same clothing and they're all like old guys with big white beards and you know the and they're all wearing the black clothes the black suits and all that stuff and it's like vote for so and so but um they all represent the, the, in the Israeli political world there's a lot of the, what they call the ultra-conservative or the ultra-Orthodox. There's a lot of them, and they form political parties. And Netanyahu is really the only guy, and he's not ultra-Orthodox. You can tell by the way he looks. He, um, But he's conservative, and he's the one that holds a coalition together, which is why he keeps reigning in the power. And he has done a lot of questionable stuff that American Jews... Hate about Israel's internal politics. So I'm going to stop talking about it right here because I get really upset about this. But at the same time, the question that, like, Mayim and all these and blossom, all these other people are saying is like, but then you see people say what Hamas did on those first days was totally fine and it's your fault. Like, to hear someone say, it is justifiable or any of the evil is to blame on Israel because it's a colonizing, occupying, whatever. And it's like, number one, that is a an incredibly two-dimensional way to view Israel and the Holy Land and the Palestinian conflict. It is, it is people without history. And they're just like, oh, you're a colonizer. That's what you are. And then that's it. But, two, you can be for a full and free and equal Palestine, two-state solution, whatever, and not for Hamas, you know, a Mm -hmm. terrorist organization that has co-opted the government for 15-plus years in in Palestine. And that's the thing that's driving me insane. When radical students who are card-carrying, like, you know, the worst of the worst of, like, the most stereotypical woke stuff are in Harvard holding up Nazi flags saying, gas the Jews? Like that, like one, yeah, It it's just, it, it just rocks me to my core. And that's what she was saying. Like there's these images of people holding their cell phones up with swastikas and it's like, you're like suburban American, the most privileged kids on the face of the earth. And you're holding up Nazi swastikas. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we not say, oh, my gosh. Like, this is the thing that they all yelled at white people for, right, in the beginning of wokeness, which I was on board for. It's like, if you're defending the Nazis, you're doing something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That's when you know, historically, you're on the wrong side. Whatever argument you're giving, well, you know, the Nazis had a plan. And that's, and and it's like, that is shocking to me. And that's day one of me being on Twitter. And I almost immediately deleted my account. Because it was all this. And it was like, every anti, every Jewish celebrity It was, like, open season on them on Twitter, like Sarah Silverman and all these people who are just like, Israel has a right to defend itself. And they're like, how dare you, you genocidal baby-killing maniac. it's like, they literally chopped out babies' heads. How dare you? Yeah, but that's your fault, you colonizer. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? I've told them that they were wrong for doing this. So I am, like, it is is beyond bizarre for me. I, I despise all of this stuff. As someone who would have been right there saying like, yeah, look at the oppression of Israel. Look at all this stuff. I'm like, yeah. but a country has a right to defend itself from rocket attacks and from you know, freaking people with parachute fans coming out at a freaking rock
0: concert. Well, this is one of the things that worries me about, um, I feel like sometimes we just beat the same drum over and over again, but I don't know. Um, when you take a look at the book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, one of the things they talk about that is when Politics becomes entertainment. You don't understand, you don't, you don't. you, you have the two dimensional view or a one dimensional yeah. view or something. It's like just beyond, like, I hate the fact that I still just go to Reddit without even like thinking. Like, just, just like my brain is just like, um, Reddit.com. And one of the things that I see a lot on there, when I, like on the homepage, is just, um, uh, people like ripping celebrities who are pro Israel. Yeah, And it's just like the – to me, in history, when you take a look at, like, who's good, who's bad on the side of wars, there are very few wars where it's actually, like, pretty clear. Yeah. Few. Um, In my mind, just the top thing I can really – that really comes to mind would be the Second World War – and the Civil War. That's pretty much it. Um, I'm sure there are others that I am are forgetting, but like, I, I just to, to act like everything that is through that lens. Yeah, and I and I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know if it's entertainment. I don't know if it's a way. If it's because of these things, because of the last 100 years, because of mm-hmm. the horrific the horrificness of the 20th century, but the fact that like. What Stalin did, what Stalin did, goes uh, ign- uh, ignored by so many. Yeah, Um
1: so much worse.
0: Yeah, and I just things that are just totally cast aside, not thought about. Um, the way that certain groups in Mexico, um, certain in indigenous groups, like that is like even in Mexico, but like certain parts of like I'm South America. I'm sorry, I should be, I should be clear here. I, I didn't mean Mexico, but like. Some stuff is like pretty bad, right? Like mass killings, different. It's like, uh, we can say that these groups were treated horribly and these practices were wrong. Those two things can coexist in one thing. And like, we can say, Hey, Cortez, like, Hey, Aztecas, mass killings, you know, like Montezuma was no saint. Quit canonizing him. Cortez wasn't either. But like even doing that, like it's like a juvenile thing. But that's but like not being able to hold all this stuff in tension, is, yeah. it's for me like really juvenile. Yeah, and that's what I feel like when I see that stuff. When I see people well, I being like, it's, why yeah, is it's Amy themselves to death? Yeah. They
1: have to make a simple narrative in order for you to consume it, and you got to pick side. It's like a freaking base, baseball game or football game. I mean, that's what they turn the news into.
0: That's right? to, Yeah. I mean, they
1: simplify the narrative so that you can pick a side and you can cheer them on and tune in nightly to see if your team's winning. And it's like, it's never like, I I remember one time JD Flynn wrote this thing about the most, the, the, uh, a politician that he respected the most was a local politician who's a pro choice Democrat. And he said, he will not affect pro life legislation. He's not like, that's not going to be a thing. He's like a local representative, whatever. And he's like, but this guy has done more for this community. And does what a mayor or whatever the heck he was was supposed to do. He's like, I would vote for this guy if I, you know, today, if I were in his district. Now, I wouldn't vote for him for president. I wouldn't vote for him for senator because that's where pro-life legislation matters. And he's like, but this guy, is he's just a pro-choice guy. But he really, truly does believe in his job. And it's like, you can have those things in your head. Now, I know some pro-choice warriors will say, well, if you get baby killing wrong, why would I trust you in anything else? But I think that's an extreme. I think that is an extreme example of juvenile thinking. I'm not going to make distinctions. I'm not going to understand that this person who will never have authority to do X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. um, but is incredible in the things that he's going to do. Yeah, yeah, I can I can do that. So, but I, again, I just come back to like with this Israel Hamas thing. Like, yeah, it's only it's only going to be, it's only going to get worse. I think. Um, with all of this stuff, and, I get worried about that too. You know, now that Yemen's throwing in, and their cutter is def- protecting the the Hamas leader and a couple of his guys. Like, you're like, okay, okay. And the funniest thing is about Iran is Iran is a uh, Shiite country. The Ayatollah is a Shiite leader, and Ayatollah Hamas Ayatollah <laughs> Ayatollah Asahola, and Hamas is a um, Sunni group. Iran is doing this simply to destabilize Israel. They do they're they're doing this to kill Israelites. Doing Israelis. D- doing what? Huh? And funding Hamas. Okay. Right? They are funding Hamas. They have said multiple times. They think they're scum. Right? See this is the thing is like they're Arabs, Iranians are Persians, you know, like they are Shiites and Palestinians are these Palestinians in Hamas. Now Hezbollah is is uh, I believe it's it's Shiite, but so it's like the only reason why I'm funding them is because I know they will forward my agenda of death and destruction in this country that I have breathed, you know, homicidal, genocidal threats before. But it's like, but if it was Iran versus Palestine, I mean, they would kill every Palestinian without without thinking twice. Because they think that they are on the on the wrong side of Islam, and the, and for people to just sit there and be like, "Oh, Muslim, Muslim," it all makes sense. It's like. We have no idea of the religious background, the history, the the people groups that are there that are distinct, like, even within the same branches of, you know, Sunni or Shiite Islam, the rise of uh, Salafist Islam. Like, we don't even know what these things mean in the West, and we're just taking – we're just lobbing our rhetorical grenades over the wall and just – yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there just needs to be a lot – like, if we're going to weigh into this stuff online – you need to be able to make the distinctions and trace some of the history of Islamic faith and maybe the last two hundred years of Arab uh, conflict and Palest and Persian conflict and all this stuff because I don't know I, I just find it <sighs> I just find it very annoying when people when literally people are being murdered and being shot at and there's wars being fought and we don't know half the players but we're going to pontificate pisses me off I'm done. Well, Antiwar.com. You know,
0: slash. <laughs> I um like why I brought the story about Mark Maron. Um, I mean, when I just found his what he, his take just to be really, just well. It was clearly he had a lot of thought and a lot of yeah. I've, I thought it to be it was a person of relative integrity trying to give an honest assessment of a thing that he has conflicting thoughts and emotions on, and I think. Sometimes, to me, this all ultimately comes back to dwelling in reality. Part of dwelling in reality is understanding you can't hold all things in your head at like one time, you know, or you just go insane. But part of this too is understanding that like some things are pretty complicated, and I think, and at other times it's like having to learn of when to not make things so so like trying to understand like when do i press like when do i back off when do i say this is kind of a lot you know they they're you're that's actually possible and i think one of the reasons what it was so attractive to me about um when Maron was uh just during, during that time of my life hearing someone just process his thoughts and his thoughts on life was for me there was always like just like the baggage of god with that the yeah. baggage of, it was always through the lens of an existential crisis of like, what is faith? <laughs> what does this mean? Why isn't it? You know, why God, why? And to hear a person who was pretty dramatic, like not do that was kind of freeing. And in a weird way for me, it was a bit of the Lord, I think, like encouraging me to embrace my own freedom. And like, that's like dwelling in reality. It's like understanding what's what's in my control and what's and what's not, and um, and I I bring all this up to like just to be like everything now is always so heightened and always so intense, and it's like something maybe just try to like maybe you don't have to be so intense about this, and like I'm guilty of this too, so I i, I you know I don't want to like, but just of understand I, I think you're right, like you don't understand like the the complexity of this, so back off of the, on um, the I- I- intensity here, it's okay to say there are things about this that I don't that I you know don't like. And going, hey, killing babies, infants, kids, yeah. non-combatants, bad. Yeah, like we should condemn this. This is wrong. Just you can mean condemn that, like, one thing, yeah, and not condemn all the things. Well, it's you know it's it's like the inability of and I'm like. <sighs> be careful here, Luke. Uh, I don't want to wait until that was waters. I'm t- I'm too tired.
1: Well, let me just say this, that um, the, what you are describing, it reminds me of a phrase on the consolation of philosophy. Sometimes I think as religious people, we, we always look for, we spiritualize problems, we spiritualize solutions, or, Mm -hmm. or when we don't have problems or solutions, we make it like too much of a faith thing, even though, you know, at the end of the day, yes, it's, it uh, all is grace. But there's part of the grace is the fact that a grace does not replace but builds upon human nature. And so things like philosophy, stepping back from trying to find a, 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 the right Bible verse or quote from a psalm that identifies the moment, and just listening to, uh, I love the motto of um, St. Uh, John Henry Newman, heart speaks to heart, right? And hearing Mark Marin's heart speak to your heart was a a communication of real human importance. And that's the thing that um, sometimes we get away from because we still, and this is a part of the Christian walk is we, we want to live in the safety of our theological diagrams, our theological diagram of who God is and how God works or theological diagram of who Christ is and how he works and the Holy spirit and what the church is and what the Pope should be and what I should be and what the Catholic Twitter should be and blah, blah, blah. And life has a funny way of shattering those paradigms. And if your personal philosophy isn't informed and flexible enough to deal with that, then you're going to be inconsolable even by your theology. At the end of the day, your theology will not console you, right? Because you're 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 doing an inhuman thing, right? Which is why I always go back to that mysterious phrase from the orthodox mystic when they asked him on his deathbed, what did you learn of your whole life? You could summarize it. What would it be? And he said, I learned to climb down 10,000 ladders To kiss the dust of my own humanity. And hearing Hmm. that, like, I think, like, and when Mm -hmm. you kiss the dust of your own humanity, you meet Christ, the incarnate one, right? Like, that's the importance of the incarnation. It's not forsaking my humanity for the sake of the divinity that I'll receive. No, it's becoming the human that Christ died and rose but was conceived and born to make you to be. And Boethius, who was in jail for refusing to go along with the Arian heresy, when he was about to be killed, wrote one of the greatest works in philosophy in the history of the world on the consolation of philosophy. And people talk about this all the time. Like, why didn't he say, like, in the arms of the Blessed Mother or, you know, like, in union with the Crucified One? But it was this, this image of wisdom coming to him in his prison cell. And I think, hmm. in a lot of ways, like and, and that has been as such an important part of medieval Christianity is Boethius's On the Consolation of Philosophy. Like, like it, it's a way. And, and, and funny, it's kind of like uh, returning to philosophy in a certain sense is climbing down these
0: ladders to kiss the dust of our own humanity. I love that. It, it, it's kind of okay. This might. I'm going to go on one of these. Like, I'm buckling up one of these like Luke things that may or may not actually work. (laughs) So when you are, you are saying that I'm I'm reminded of the, of the me without you online, which is actually from the, not one of the Gnostic gospels. Are you okay? Cockroach just
1: scurried across my feet. My bare 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 naked feet. I brought up 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 my mouth. (laughs) I was like, what was that? It felt like it was furry. furry. No, That'd be creepy as hell. Um, <laughs> was was. In it. Me cocking my fist was better than me yeah. Screaming an F word on the other side <laughs> of the wall Of my children who were sleeping Go on Luke about me without you <laughs> And
0: probably waking up poor Everly <laughs> uh,
1: She hears
0: you through the head me goes, through your head Mr. Gomer thing. Um <laughs> Anyway, so there is, is like a I mean, that you line that I heard all the time. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, Gomer, this line." And you're like, "It's from one of the Gnostic, go- like one of the, not the the Gnostic Gospels." Yeah, one Gnostic of the- Gospels. Is it? Uh, okay. If
1: you ask me for a sign for the Father, I will tell you it is
0: movement, movement on and on. Yeah. Yeah. If you want signs of the Father, it's, and so it goes, it's movement, movement. Oh, and and repose. And I was like, man, holy crap! Like, how much do I want God to resolve? Like, how much of my drama is me just being like, resolve this, resolve this, resolve this, or resolve this? Like, fix this, fix this. Like, this needs to be resolved. This need, And I do believe Christ brings all things in, in and of to him him on himself. But over and over again, the Lord has taught me that, like, sometimes it's fast and sometimes it's slow. And, like, I, that's why that line speaks to me because, like, the signs of God, like, it is quite often. It's, like, is movement. But sometimes it's not. And, like, that embracing of, like, your, you know, only humanity, like, like kissing the dust of your feet of your, like, you know, own humanity, as uh, you put it, like, how often can I, I, I am so bad with patience. You know, like, one of the, I mean, I've I told the story a thousand times, one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced was being at at Auschwitz. And finally, being on Auschwitz Two with all the all the gas, all the get, where the gas chambers were after being over at Auschwitz One, and you just are overwhelmed by it. And I just I was filled with like going back to before, like rage, like absolute rage at God that He allowed something that horrific to happen, and just being—I mean, honestly, like almost like want to be like God, like. Throw in explicitives here. Like, how could you? Like, how dare you? I, I was just, I was furious. I was furious. I was just, like, overwhelmed um, with that. And we saw a group from uh, from Israel there. And they had the Israeli flag. And I'm presuming they are, they, are, uh, they were from Israel. And I just, like, was just overwhelmed with just a sense of, like, evil lost. Like, the fact that we're here right now is that, is that like, evil, um, like, evil um, lost. And I think I have a hard time with the, with the fact that evil even happens. Yeah. and But that's the cost of freedom is this and how, and how like free and how human we actually are is terrifying at at times to me. And I keep wanting God to like fix all of it right now. Yeah. And that's not how it works. Ultimately it is, but it's just not how it's not how it, how it works. Yeah. It's the great line from
1: Dostoevsky. It's not God. I have a problem with it's this world of his, you know, mm. it's like, I, yeah. I can kind of understand God. I don't understand. What What was the phrase in the Brothers Karamazov, uh If you could have paradise, but it would come at the price of brutally torturing a little girl, would you do it? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, your God did. You know, it's like, the, is, this, is this really like all the suffering, all the pain, and it's all going to be worth it because it's going to be awesome at the other end? And to me, that's an inadequate understanding of the healing of all harms and and heaven. It's deeply inadequate. I also posted in the in the thing the, the quote from this from the Gospel of Thomas. Jesus said, If they say to you, Where do you come from? say, We came from the light and the place where the light came into being on its own accord and established itself and became manifest through their image. If they say to you, Is it you? Say, oh, We are its children. We are the elect of the living father. If they ask you, What is the sign of your father in you, say to them, It is movement and repose. Oh, boy, and it's, it's I interesting. Love that. Movement and repose <laughs> reminds me of the that line from medieval and renaissance, mostly renaissance, um, alchemists, which is Solway at Coagula, everything dissolves and, um, and joins together. Right. And that became Mm -hmm. like a, kind of like a satanic occultic thing. But, um, originally it was just this notion of like, yeah, everything does fall apart and then, and and God can make all things new. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know, you know, um, I feel like, Luke, at, at your, your, your immortal soul and just your your aching heart would benefit from reading a lot of Soren Kierkegaard. I mean, you know, you know. B- Benedict read a lot <laughs> of That was a
0: weird sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's of... been kind of on my mind. Oh, really? Probably, yeah, yeah. I think because you brought it up a couple of oh, weeks ago, then through just my stuff for grad school, reading some of the Nouvelle theology yeah. stuff and people. Yeah.
1: Because he was, I mean, like, in, in the Catholic world, Blaise Pascal kind of anticipates some of, of Kierkegaard's things. But really, Kierkegaard, I mean, he, I mean, his stuff is so amazing. And I, I think if you're going to read Kierkegaard, you should read sickness, sickness Unto Death. That's the perfect place to start. That's the book that most people read when they say, I've read Kierkegaard. Um, but his, his point, Sickness Unto Death or Despair, is this notion of, like, think of a human being we're spiritual and we're material. So we're not angels, but we're not animals. And living in the in-between means we live in the tension, right? Mm, so what, what do we have? Well, we have despair of ever finding anything good. And mm-hmm. we have hope that we will one day attain the ultimate good. But right now, we don't have either, and we're kind of living in the tension of that. And he goes through all of these things, these extremes, that when you actually sit and look at it, you're like, oh, this is why I'm so unsettled with life is because the very creature that I am is caught between the already, and Ratzinger uses this all the time, the already and the not yet, right? I've been baptized, I've been saved, I have a relationship with God, but I'm a backslider, I'm a failure, and I doubt his existence all the time, right? Like the already, but the not yet. And I long for the glory, and I anticipate heaven to be amazing, and I want it because I know it's union with God, but at the same time, there are pleasures and joys and things right in front of me that outweigh even the proposition of eternal happiness. There's a great line in these in these science fiction books that I'm reading where these female succubuses are there and they're tempting these Italian soldiers. And uh, it's like the, the Italian soldiers are weighing whether or not it's better to have to be enslaved to a demonic succubus for 10,000 years for one night with them. And I was like, isn't that funny? But that's, that's literally what pornography does to us, right? Like, hey, here's this fleeting pleasure for one night that you know you're, you're trading a, a home for a hotel kind of thing right and it's this this shift that, and I, I love those books it's the it's the books where the army rangers go ten thousand years in the future and it's
0: like done to the dragon <laughs> it's so fun they <laughs> just came out attention. with a side
1: series called sergeant thor
0: <laughs> oh i love you that's amazing <laughs> i do need to read your card
1: on that yeah i really think you would like yeah. it because he's existentialist and moody and that's what you are yeah oh look at it did you see it what, the, the, the cockroach? Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a Texas bad boy. It's crawling on the wall. I
0: flipped out if that, yeah. I see yeah. why you wanted to punch it.
1: I think, I think it's actually going to start you know, renovating this room and turning it into like a, a cottage. That's from so How big. I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, I'm, I'm trying to get them into killing their own bugs because we just had some rains, and so the bugs are a little bit more buggy. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, there's a bug in here. And I go, kill it. And they go, how do I do that? I go, get something harder than it and hit it. <laughs> and then you just hear it go, boom.
0: Yo, <laughs> hip-hop. Death, where's your sting? Death, where's your sting? <laughs> ah, gospel um, of Thomas. Would it surprise anyone that I've cried during, uh, during uh, Mass when that, during that part? Oh, every single time. Like before people I knew died. (laughs) Besides (laughs) my grandparents and great-grandparents, who I love dearly.